Well, let's, just before we begin looking at what we're going to be looking at, I just want to share what I was, um, in Luke chapter 1, what I was sharing yesterday at Arise Scotland. It's a kind of Christmas message, but it's really an incarnation message. Just a little verse, Luke chapter 1, and this is part of the Magnificat, which is called the Song of Mary. And there's this little verse here in verse 52, chapter 1 of Luke 1. It says, He hath put down the mighty from their seats, or he has brought down rulers from their thrones in the NIV and other translations. And I just felt the Lord, it's so important for us to get this at this time. Because this is a prophetic thing. It's not just, um, well, you know, it's a nice wee song that Mary sang because she was... Uh, you know, the word had become or was growing in her, in her womb. This is prophetic, and it's also, it's, it's prophetic for us at this time. Because what happened here, we need to understand that Mary received the word in her womb. But this is what came out of her mouth. Because the word was present in her. And when we receive the Lord Jesus into our hearts, then this ought to be coming out of our mouths. Because it's a prophetic indicator, a prophetic message. And by prophetic, I don't just mean a future thing. I mean it's the, the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, if Jesus is present in you, this prophetic truth will also be in you. And it's this. The threat, oh sorry, the presence of Jesus within us is a threat to wicked governments and rulers. Now Jesus isn't in the business of pulling down righteous rulers, uh, good rulers. He establishes the throne of the righteous, doesn't he? But he pulls down the throne of the wicked. And you know the proof of that was when Jesus actually was born, they tried to kill him. He was understood as a threat by Satan, by the kingdom of darkness, by the supernatural, spiritual side, the principalities, powers, Satan himself, but also by that wicked ruler, Herod, who said, let's kill all the babies because this one of them is a threat. And it wasn't just a threat to Herod's throne, it was a threat to the devil's throne, if you like, or the devil's kingdom. So that's why the church, or sorry, that's why the governments at this time are trying to shut down the church under the guise of Omicron, Delta, variants, COVID, all that. They need to shut the church down because they know their day is coming. And I, I'm, I'm encouraged tonight, friends, I really am, when I look at the news, and I don't take the news as an indicator of much, but I do see that the tide is turning. And they're scared to bring in heavy restrictions because the people, and the people always rise up, don't they? We're not talking about rebellion here, we're not handing out uh, rifles and starting a militia. People are just saying enough is enough. And that includes the vaxxed. In fact, probably especially the vaxxed. Because people are saying, I've done everything, I've been asked, I've complied, I've worn my 
face nappy, I've done everything, but it's no more. So folks, be encouraged because the one thing that we, we, we're teaching here, the most important thing maybe of all, is to decree the purpose of God as found in his word and as out of the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that is that this wicked antichrist um, cabal be broken in the earth and we see our transition into out of the church age into the kingdom age. Folks, the church age is over. It's not all we're coming out of. It's over. But it's stepping into that kingdom age that we, we need to be really diligent to do. So, with that in mind, I wanted to continue our, the theme that I've started last week. Now, I have this in an ebook, and so I'm really teaching out of the, the, the ebook, the, 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 the notes I have for that. And I'm considering getting it printed. But the ebook uh, is free. If you want to get it, let me know, uh, and I can send it to you. Uh, uh, through WhatsApp or whatever. Uh, but there is an ebook with us called Father and Nations. And that's what I want to continue looking at tonight. So we've looked at our responsibility before God to be a matured people who will stand in the gap as, as king priests and take responsibility for our nation. God is looking for people like that, I believe, at this time. It's no longer just going to church and doing the church, playing the church game. It is being the people that God has called us to be. That's what, this is, that's what we're about. And if we're not about that, then let me ask, what are we about? Because anything else is backsliding. Anything else, as I said, playing the church game. And your God is no longer allowing people to play that game. The church age is over. The kingdom age is uh, is now with us and how we respond to the spirit of God in that is is what's vital um, and you know I, I've been speaking to uh, Pastor Terry over in Oregon um, the last few days and really been thrilled by what he's saying because when I watch his videos he's saying the same things we're saying Karen and I are saying the same phrases, I'm thinking, has this man got a telepathic link inside my head? Because he's using the same things and saying the same things, but we, but we were laughing because it's the Holy Ghost. And you know, the other night I was teaching in Bible college, and I was teaching on principles of national, sorry, divine principles of national prosperity. And uh, I was preaching from Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, and I came home, and he's got this in his Facebook feed, Somebody was asking me, and he's got that verse, and he says, these are principles. So at the exact same time I'm teaching at Bible college, he's got it online. So it was an encouragement, and we should be encouraged, because it's not just Terry and himself. All over the world, God's remnant people are hearing the same things from the Holy Spirit, which is now is the time to transition to the kingdom age. So let's get into this. Um... Maturity is knowing the Father. We, we looked at that last week. You start this process of being Christians as babes in Christ. Okay? Children know the Father, John says in 1 John chapter 2. But our maturing is going from knowing the Father to demonstrating the Father. You know, when you're first saved, it's, you, you, you know, it's like a wee baby gurgling with joy 
Oh, my sins are forgiven. Oh, I feel the love of God. I never knew this. Yeah? But God wants us to go from that stage, which is wonderful, never losing that, but to being matured so that we're no longer babes in Christ. And that's Paul's theme in his writings, and it's also what John speaks about. We are to live in the Father's shadow. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow, the shade of God. There's no safer place to be right now. There's no other place to be right now. In Psalm 91, if it was written for any time, it's written for our time. As we mature, we become a shelter to others who live in our shadow. That's so important to understand. That's mature. It's not just, oh well, I live in God's shadow or, or, or I go to that church and pastor so-and-so, you know, I, I feel safe when I'm around him. You should be the person that people feel safe around because you know him. You're, a str- you're strong and you know him and you do exploits. And that's straight out of the book of Daniel. So God is looking for a people who know him. And as we'll see, the purpose of God in us is to bring us to fatherhood. Now folks, I know some of you are uh, are not men. Uh, But fatherhood in the scripture is a synonym or a metaphor for maturity. So if you want to use the phrase fathers and mothers, that's fine because as we'll see, as we go on in these studies, mothers are included. Deborah says, I arose a mother in Israel. And, you know, she, she was more man than any, any of the men around her. Amen? You know, a wee bit like Margaret Thatcher. <clears throat> yeah? I mean, I, I keep saying it, and I, and I will continue to say it. You know, I love all these old guys, Smith Wigglesworth, John Lake. I love their ministries. I study them. I've, I've, I've avidly have read their biographies and, and so on and, and their preaching. But I don't know that any of them came close to the ministry that Mariah Woodworth Etter, Mother Etter had. So, Mariah Woodworth Etter. So, none of them came close, in my opinion, and a lot of others. All right, so. So when I say fatherhood, I'm talking about maturity, okay? But we're supposed to be people who father people's communities and nations. If you are blessed with faithful Abraham, and the Bible says if you're in Christ, you're the seed of Abraham, then what was Abraham's promise? Thou shalt be a a father of many nations. You need to get this revelation. And it is a revelation. It's not just information. I can tell you this, but you need to go before God and get this as a revelation for yourself. Is that your destiny is multitudes and nations simple as that okay if you're of Abraham because that was his destiny God said Abraham was said to the Lord you know all I want is a baby boy bouncing on money okay and and he he went to different lands to get it including you know Hagar and all that but he went to the Lord and said well, that's what I want. I want an heir. Out of my own loins, in my own house. I don't want to give it to some servant. And the Lord said, that's great. Your vision is too small, though. Come outside for a minute. 
And he said, look at the stars. Can you see? You see the stars. Can you count them? So I don't know if Abraham went, no, I can't. If he'd already tried. Or if he started off, like we might do. Hey, one, two, and gave up. And then the Lord says to him, can you count the grains of sand here in the desert? And he went, no, I can't. And the Lord said to him, so shall your seed be. So if you're sitting there tonight, well, I'd love to lead somebody to the Lord in 2022. Abandon that. Because your vision is too small. Start thinking multitudes and nations because in the kingdom age, that's what we're going to see. The nations will come to Mount Zion. Amen. That's what we've not seen. We've got a few folks saved. We've had crusades. We've had great rallies and all that. We've had Billy Graham. And it's all wonderful. But that's the church age. That's Sardis. We're getting into Philadelphia. And you say, well, there's not going to be much left after all this business that we're going through right now. Well, whoever's left, that's what we're going to have. Amen? So we have to believe for harvest. Fathering, uh, we need to be people who father peoples and communities, nations. We are, in, and that's not just about um, ha harvest and getting people saved. It's also about fathering in the sense of uh, being a father to these people. You know, I don't mean as in a, a Roman Catholic priest type father, but fathering peoples. That means leadership of the right nature. You know, what's Boris Johnson's problem right now? He's not a father to the nation. He's just a power-mad guy who's a puppet of globalist forces. And, and when we have people like that, self-seekers, self-promoters, people in it to line their own pockets, further their own agenda or somebody else's agenda that's bought them, Right? When we have leaders like that, they're not fathers. The nations are crying out for fathers, crying out for mothers, crying out for shepherding leadership. Uh, and that, that's what's missing. And that's why all the problems are in the earth. We looked at that yesterday, Psalm 2. Why are the nations in a tumult? Why are they raging? Why are the people imagine a futile thing? Why is strictly more important tonight than being here and hearing the word of God? And you say, well, how do we, what was the answer? Well, the Bible doesn't leave us short and not tell us. It says the kings of the earth have taken up a position which is anti-God and anti-Christ. And because they've taken up that position, it's affected the nations. Why? Because a nation will follow its leaders. You see, we look at Boris with the Christmas party thing and we think, Oh, well, why should we shut down our Christmas when he can have Christmas parties in number 10? Okay, but it's actually the other way around. Okay, because what happens is when you have a fool in office, the people do foolish things. Now, I'm not saying it's foolish to have a Christmas party. I'm saying that your body is not going to go to the toilet at any point during this message and leave your head sitting in the seat you go where your head goes when your head decides well I need to go to the toilet or I need to do this or I need to do that your body follows the head because that's how we're made 
And it's the same in nations. That's why in the Old Testament, when you had wicked kings, the nation went into idolatry. If the king was doing crazy, weird, and wicked stuff in the palace, you can be assured the people were doing it in their homes too. Because that's, that, that's how God has made us. That's why we have leaders. Because if you have good leaders, you'll have good people. And if you have wicked rulers, you will have wicked people or you'll have messed up people. And that's why the Bible commands us to pray for our rulers. And our leaders are national leaders. Because if you get the head right, the body will follow. And that's why every New sorry, Old Testament revival happened under the auspices of a king who got right with God. King Josiah, Hezekiah, these guys. Solomon in his early reign and David. When they were living right with God, the nation was blessed. And the people were godly. It's not, oh well, the people do what they want. You know, it doesn't really matter. Yes, it does matter what, what the leaders do. And it matters what we pray. And we need to pray for our leaders, our rulers, and if they won't respond, we need to pray them out and get better ones in. And so that, that might take a while. It's still our job. Now, at this rate, I'm not going to get through these notes before Christmas next year. <laughs> Fathering nations... Well, wait a minute. Let's get back to this. We are in the cosmos as he is. First John chapter 4, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Listen, the day of judgment isn't the end time day of judgment before the throne of judgment. The day of judgment is the day when it's important to be, stand up and be counted. That kind of day of judgment. As well as the end time judgment. Judgment is, see, there are periods of judgment that we go through in our individual lives, but also as a nation. God deals with nations similar to, but not always the same as he deals with individuals. So if a nation keeps heaping up wickedness, that nation will eventually hit a brick wall. Look at Hitler's Germany. And as I said yesterday in the Rise Scotland meeting, look at all these wicked empires in history. Where are they now? Where is Great Babylon now? Where is Medo-Persia now? Where is Greece now? Where are these great powers, these horns in the earth? So many of them have fallen. Napoleon, where's Napoleon now? What happened to Napoleon? Think about it. God pulls down, like Mary said in the Magnificat, he brings down wicked rulers from their thrones. That's his, that's in the DNA of Jesus. And that's what rose up, if you like, in a sense, out of her womb, because that's who was growing inside her, the one who pulls wicked rulers down. That same Jesus is in you and I. And it's in our DNA. So it's time we get serious. We are in the cosmos as he is. You know, that word uh, where it says, as he is, so are we in this world. The, the Greek word is cosmos. So it's not just talking about the world. It's talking about the physical uh, space-time dimension. To get quite technical. We manifest in the physical realm what he is in realms of glory. See, who Jesus was in realms of glory, he stepped down into a prepared womb of a virgin and manifest in the earth. Through the due process of time, the, 
the gestation period. He had to manifest in the earth. And for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And the works of the devil are what we're finding right now in Holyrood, in number 10 Downing Street, in Westminster, in the White House. Places, quite frankly, folks, we need to say, they shouldn't be manifesting because we're supposed to be Christian, godly, holy nations. Because we've strayed from that, evil and wickedness is manifesting in the offices of power. And you read Psalm 2, I don't have time to get into it because it's a different message. It's not really a different message, but I want to focus on this. But our message to these rulers is, kiss the son, lest he be angry. And ye perish in the way. So our message tonight, if Boris Johnson stepped through that door, he would be doing well because that, the main door's locked, but you know what I mean? <laughs> is, you better get yourself sorted out with God. We're not talking about get saved. We're saying you are ruling and leading this nation into wickedness and from a wickedness dimension. All right, so fathering nations is our commission. The nations are crying out for fathers to lead them, shepherd them, and bring healing to them. Are you somebody tonight who will say, Lord, I'll be that type of person that I will bring a fathering heart to Scotland, to Britain, to my part of it, my, my area, my community. I'll do that, Lord. I'll be that in the earth for you. Only the strength and wisdom of true fathers can heal our nations, folks. It is our responsibility to be just as Yahweh in this cosmos. We could read 1 John chapter 4, 17 like this. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as God the Father is, so are we in this world to our communities, to our nations. Never follow a leader who is not a father or mother. And that's true in the political realm. Politics is the counterfeit of the kingdom. But, you know, that doesn't mean to say that, that God can't put people into it who will have a different and kingdom perspective. And we ought to be believing for that. We need kingdom leaders in the political system. Way more than ever. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians who get into it end up being defiled by it or compromised by it. And we certainly need such leaders in the church. And folks, you ought to be them. It's not enough anymore to say, well, the guy at the front, he'll handle it all. He'll do all the praying, all the... No, no. The kingdom age is not about one-man ministry or pulpit ministry. It's about every believer being the ecclesia of God. And that's what the fivefold's all about. It says that to, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. What's the work of the ministry? It's this. Fathering nations. Jesus says, go and disciple the nations. He also said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. And, and as Bert McCaig would say, we've done really great at the Mark word. Go and preach the gospel. Let's have crusades. Let's have rallies. Let's get people saved. Let's get Louis Palau. Let's get Billy Graham. Let's get uh, Nathan. What's his name? Let's get the evangelist in. Get folks saved. Fill the churches. More on the plate. We've done all right at that part. But what about the Matthew Commission? Go and disciple the nations. 
Go and subdue the nations. Bring them under the Lordship of Christ. That's what the challenge of the remnant saints are. You see, but we're coming from way behind. We're oppressed. We're, we're, you know, we're already depleted. We're already a small remnant. Folks, God doesn't really begin to work or move until he has a remnant. And you know, if, he, if we think, oh, the number, think about Gideon. 32,000, well, that's all right. We should manage with God's help. 32,000 men. Oh, yes, amen. And the Lord says, send all the fearties home. Amen. I wonder if you have any churches tonight and said, all the fearties can go home. Well, would there be, many would be left. So he's down to 10,000. And he's thinking, 10,000, that's a big loss. But maybe 10,000 real warriors. Yes, amen. And the Lord says, no, there's one more test. See how they drink water from the river. 300 were left. That's a true remnant, isn't it? Out of 32,000. Less than 1%. And that's where we are tonight, folks. That's where we are tonight. We can show you picture after picture in this church of every seat, people packed in like sardines. And for many, many years, that's what this ministry was, a revival ministry. Hundreds getting saved. Where are they tonight? Where's those numbers tonight? Where are they in any church tonight? Some big churches, yes. But you've got to ask, are they remnant churches? Or are they just, you know, anyway. It is our responsibility to be just as Yahweh in this cosmos. Jesus said we must be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. And the word perfect is the Greek word teleos. Get familiar with this word because it's a powerful word. It means complete, fully matured, having reached its end point, lacking nothing in its fullness. God wants teleos saints. Now we're already that, you know, we're already perfect. The perfect Christ, the perfect Jesus lives in us. Okay, so this isn't about, uh, well, we need to be better Christians. We need, we need to go through a process of personal development and self-improvement. Folks, self-improvement is of the devil. Jesus Nailed your old self to the cross. And it's a perfect Jesus that lives in you. But we still need to mature and, and, and be perfected and be matured in him. And how do we do that? By revelation. It's not, well, if I go through a hundred fiery trials, I'll be a bit a stronger Christian. I know people have been through a hundred fiery trials and they're washed out, beat up, finished. It's revelation of who you are in Christ. That is true spiritual maturity, which means you're not going to get it watching EastEnders five nights a week. You're not going to get it by reading pulp novels or trash literature or sitting on, you know, uh, the internet and watching rubbish. Revelation comes by spending time in God's presence. Praying in tongues, reading his word, meditating the word, studying. Well, that sounds boring. Well, you're not qualified. 
Okay? Anybody can be a soldier in the regular army, but it takes dedication to be a Marine or an SAS. And God is looking for SAS soldiers in the army of the Lord. He's looking for mature saints. Jesus said we must be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. As I said, Jesus tells us to be teleos, perfect people, like our Father is a teleos God. God is not slacking in being God. And he doesn't want us slacking in being God's people or God's children. The Father lacks nothing in any area. Would you, would you agree with that? So are we to be, as he is, so are we. We are to be absolutely teleos as he is. See, your destination point never deviates. It is to be as he is. Well, you know, I know I'm not like Jesus, but I, he knows I try hard. We need to stop all that baby stuff. We need to be people who say the standard never drops. Be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And that doesn't mean you never sin. It doesn't mean that you're a goody two shoes. And, you know, it means matured. Amen? It means matured. Like, your parents are, you understand when you were a child and you looked at your parents and they had all the answers. All right? Well, if I take it to my, my dad, will sort it because he's my dad, he knows what to do. And, and that's what, we have to have that relationship with God, but not just to the point where we say, oh, God will sort it all out. You know, a little phrase that people use, God's got this. Folks, you ought to have this. You ought to be in that place as a believer who says, you know, I don't need to go forward to get prayer every week. I can pray for others because I know who I am in Christ. As Karen keeps telling us, that every time Karen stands here, I think she says the same thing. But it's not boring. It's because it's necessary. We need to know who we are. The minute you know who you are, you step into higher levels. And you know, when you know who you are, you position yourself for more revelation, which is more revelation of who you are. So you're walking in that maturity, that growth. So you understand that in the natural, when we go on a journey, time and distance separate us from our destination. This is something that we need to understand about this. We need to explain this. If I said to you right now, let's walk to Edinburgh, then we know our destination is Edinburgh, and we know that there's, it's going to take time if we're walking, or even driving, but let's say we're walking, and we know our time is going to take so, such and such, because we need to stop, we need to do that. Time and, des, time and des, distance, sorry, separate us from our destination. Okay, so we have a teleos point, we're going to go see to Edinburgh Castle. So we know where we're going. And we're going to walk. A sponsored walk. So we know that it's going to take time. We know the distance. We know that there's going to be, it's not going to be a picnic, is it? That's in the natural. But in the spirit, listen to this, there is no time. Because it's the eternal realm. And there is no distance. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which means the kingdom of heaven is within your, your grasp. Which means the kingdom of heaven is not billions of light years away. It's just stepping into another dimension, which is all around us. 
The spiritual realm is the eternal realm. It is the dimension of the immediate as well as the dimension of the always. Let me say that again. It's a dimension of the immediate because, you know, we talk about miracles. Miracles happen like that, don't they? Anybody ever seen or had a miracle? I have. And it happens like that, quicker than that. But it's also the dimension of the always because if God gives you something in that eternal realm, it's always yours. Which is a whole other message. As you can lose it, you can lose your blessing here. You can lose your healing here. But you can't lose it in the eternal realm. It is not temporal or subject to change. You know, Jesus isn't up for election every five years in the eternal realm. There's no, well, he's Lord now, but see in 2023, they're having an election and, you know, the devil's out canvassing. Or there's somebody else thinks they can do a better job than Jesus, so they've started a party in heaven. No, that's why politics is the counterfeit, because it doesn't reflect the kingdom. Jesus is always Lord eternally, and always has been. And yes, there's an intersection between our time and uh, eternity, which, you know, we could get into the details of that, but it's not really what we're looking at. But one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So time does intersect with eternity, but the eternal is the realm where there is no change. It's the temporal realm where things can change. Believe it or not, I used to have more hair. I used to be thinner. We, we, you understand? We age here because it's the temporal realm. Things change. The car you drove up in tonight was probably not the car you would have driven up in 15 years ago. Because things change in the temporal realm. The eternal is the realm of perfection. You are perfect in eternity. You will never atrophy or suffer loss in the eternal realm. I remember my mum uh, passed away. And that night, I had a vision of the Lord, I say a vision, I saw, in, I saw into the, the, the realm of glory, and the Lord was standing, and my mum was next to him. And my mum had on this wonderful gown, kind of white and gold, it was, it was beautiful. And I you know, wasn't, oh, wasn't, oh, talk to your mammy, it wasn't that, it wasn't, you know, communicating with the dead. It was just the Lord showing me my mum in heaven beside him. And he was standing, and my mum was there. And she was, at her perfect age, but 30, and not the lady who died at 70. Because in eternity, you are the perfect you. Was it that book, Become a Better You or something? Well, the you, the Bible says, the inner man is renewed day by day. The inward man, the inner man, is always the eternal you, the spirit that's within you. The hidden man of the heart. So that's who you are. You have a perfect Jesus living in you. And the Bible says that when, when we see him, when we behold him, we'll see him as he is. We'll be like him, it says. Because that's who lives in your heart right now. If that's not who lives in your heart right now, you need to get born again. But what happens is we have 
You know, that's our spirit man, but our soul and body are involved, aren't they? And if you've messed up in your soul or messed up in your body, you won't manifest that as well. That's why the Bible says renew your mind and go through a process of what the Bible calls transformation. So that in this world, as you, as you go through this life, in the temporal realm, you manifest more and more of who you really are in the eternal realm. There's no, t- there's no distance, there's no time in the spirit realm. So Jesus is telling us, be here what you are there, because what you are there is who you really are. That's it. But that's love. Oh, I, I need to live the Christian life, be a better Christian. No, no. Just let the life of Jesus flow through you. Let him live big inside you. Get yourself out of the way. And let Jesus live big in you. The eternal you, in other words, is the real you. So maturity takes time in the natural. This is what I'm trying to get across. I want to get this across before we finish. Maturity takes time in the natural. You know, you don't uh, get born one day and then go to school the next day. And the next day you get a job. And then, you know, a week later you've got three kids. That doesn't happen. Because in the natural you have to go through the process of natural growth and maturity, don't you? Like I said, God didn't say to Mary, uh, you can, I'm going to use your room, Mary, to bring the Son of God. Kapow! Zap! And all of a sudden, Jesus was standing there. No, he had to go through that process of maturing in the natural. But in the spirit, okay, maturity takes time in the natural, but in the spirit, there's no time. There isn't time. In the, the eternal realm. Time is outside the realm of time. So spiritual maturity comes through revelation. By that I mean that maturity is developed in us in this temporal realm by revelation. And what is that revelation? What's been revealed to us? What has God shown us that causes us to seemingly mature in this life? Here's what he's revealing to us. Who we are in Christ. What we have in Christ. What has been given to us in Christ. The more that is revealed to you, it looks like, oh well, look at that. Wonderful. Uh, look how strong they are as believers. Look, what, They must have been through so many trials to make them strong. It's not trials that make you strong. It's understanding by the revelation of the Holy Ghost and in your inner man and the illumination of your mind who you really are in Christ. So when God says to us that he's looking for fathers in the earth who will father communities and nations and cities and, and, and be strong Christians who know their God and do exploits, because that's just another way of saying it, he's not saying, well, you're going to have to go through hard times, folks. He's saying, you're going to have to spend time with me so that you understand it and have it revealed to you who you really are. Maturity comes by revelation. There is no actual becoming from an eternal perspective. God isn't there up there saying, you know, they're becoming better Christians. I'm really pleased with their development. <laughs> Folks, if you didn't get a perfect Jesus when you got born again, okay, you didn't get a, you know, it's not like charging your phone battery. 
where you start off, well, we're going to give you 1% of the Holy Spirit. And then if you're good, later on it'll go up to 5%. It's not like charging your phone. You got the Holy Ghost. You got Jesus. Jesus says, if a man loves me, my Father and I will come and dwell with him. So you got the Trinity. You got the whole package. And you were born again in his image. And that's not just, oh, so you look like him. It's that the very essence of you is the same essence as him. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So the eternal is the realm of perfection. There's no real actual becoming. It just looks like you've, oh, he's become stronger. You can see that. We are already perfect in eternity. If you went to eternity right now, like that vision of my mum, you would be the perfect you forever. Because as when we see him, it says when we behold him, we'll be just be like him. It'll be like looking in a mirror. He, it'll be like him looking in a mirror, and it'll be like us looking in a mirror, because it'll be the same image. We need to start seeing who we really are. It's not, oh well, if I try harder, if I pray more, if I read 10 chapters instead of 5 a day, if I... It's not that. It's not your activity that makes you Christ-like. It's revelation that you're already like him. And that's how Eve fell. Because she believed the lie that she had to do one more thing to be like God. Just one more thing. You need to eat this fruit. Oh, I'll do that. She was deceived. You know what? The Bible tells us Adam wasn't. He knew I don't need to do anything. I'm already like God. But he did it out of love of women. And you know what men will do, am I right, guys? For the love of a, a woman. That's a, that's a whole other sermon. But we'll have that in a men's meeting. The ladies can. Spiritual maturity comes to them. We're already, this is what I'm trying to get across this in, in the wee short time, the minutes I've got left. We're already full-grown fathers, eternally speaking. Think about this. If you lived another 25, 30 years and you grew mightily and became a mighty man of God, who would you be when you stepped off this plane into the eternal realm? You're already that person now in eternity. It's just that you go through stuff in the temporal realm that brings it out. It's not that you become that person, but it looks like that from a temporal perspective. You're already that person. It's manifesting that person that is the challenge. There's no real becoming. It's who you are eternally. And if you believed you were that person right now eternally, and really believed it, and walked in it, you'd be that person. See, that's when we look, it's great to look at guys, and I do it, as I said, Smith, Wigglesworth, John Lake, all these men, it's wonderful to read, and it's, it's inspiring, and it's encouraging, but they would tell you that the revelation of who they really are was what changed them from being Joe Ordinary into generals of the faith. They understood that they were already that person. That's why they walked in it. The call on us is to manifest here in the time-space dimension who we really are in eternity. If you are, don't believe in that in, in eternity, there's your problem.
There it is, right there. Because according to your faith, be unto you. You have to believe it, folks. You have to believe that everything in the Bible. You see, the Bible, you see, why did, why did uh, Smith Wigglesworth read, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? And he believed that and went out and raised the dead. And you say, well, I don't know that I believe that. Well, there, that's why you're not walking the way he walked in. But it's not a promise to Smith Wigglesworth and, and a few, a few you know, super saints. It's the same promise to every believer. Jesus says, greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. And that's why all these people say, oh Lord, come back. Jesus says, but I told you the greater works will come when I go away. Is the Holy Ghost not enough? Is this book not enough? It's work for plenty. Why is it not working for you? Because we don't believe it. People don't believe it. I don't know that I believe that. Well, that, that's the problem. Right, we'll wrap this up tonight. Uh, do you know, I haven't even got through one full page of notes here. <laughs> so we might be on this for a while. Uh, we might dip in and out of it, but I feel a real um, impetus to, to cover this. It's so important because this is remnant stuff. This, the remnant must walk in, the remnant can't walk in uh, milk anymore. No. Baby food. You know, uh, when you've got children and you get, you only get the formula and you start off with the, the real baby food, but then you say, oh, uh, there's other formula. It's still formula, but it's for older babies. Well, we need to throw the formula cans out and start getting tucked into the raw meat or at least the strong meat. In Yahweh's mind, we're already fathers to our nations. That's what I'm trying to get across. I'm, I'm going to close this off. In God's mind, we're already at that place. We're already fathers. He doesn't look at you and go, ah, in, in development, ah, that's no use. Now, Paul said that to the Hebrew saints. He, he's understood, you're not mature in the way you should. You've not stepped out the foundational doctrines. But God doesn't see us as that. He sees us as what he called us to be. But that's wonderful, isn't it? He sees you as a mighty, mighty person in him. But here's the thing. You will be judged and rewarded on whether or not you walked in it. So folks, I'd get walking in it. So that you can be rewarded for what you've done in the body. We're already fathers to our nations in his mind. I knew that was going to happen. He will allow for our immaturity, but calls us out of it. You've got to understand, I'm saying he doesn't look at it. He understands stuff we go through. He's not uncaring or unfeeling. And he, he understands we can be immature, but he calls us out of it. Come on. You felt that in your spirit, man, with the Holy Ghost prompting you? He cannot lower the standard of full-grown perfection or maturity or teleos dimensions for us because that teleos point never varies. You know, when God said to Abraham, I am the mighty God, walk before me, be, be thou perfect. He didn't say, I'm the almighty God, do your best, son, and I'll be with you. He doesn't lower the standard. Jesus says, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. How can they be perfect? Because God doesn't lower the standard he equips us to walk in it. If we couldn't do it, he wouldn't command us. 
As father, he is perfectly patient. See, that's the thing about fathers, isn't it? Fathers are patient. Fathers have to be patient. <laughs> Don't they? <laughs> I'm getting daggers here. He will let generations come and go till we get the revelation of who we are meant to be. You know, I believe there's generations gone before us. We've known some of them. And I'm going to close this with just a sweet, quick illustration. There's generations gone before us, and they were called to walk in this too, but they didn't. They decided to stay stuck in a place. Oh, it's good here. Church is good. Uh, you know, I'm happy here. I don't want to grow. I don't want to become more mature. I don't want, I don't want that challenge. I just don't want the hassle of being as he is, so am I in this world. I knew a man, and, and his wife, and they're both long gone. In fact, I lowered this man into the ground, Paul Bearer, at his funeral. She was a mighty woman of God, a mighty woman of prayer, a real old-fashioned saint, a real godly lady. The kind of which you just don't get anymore, sadly. A real saint of God. He was a baby in an old man's body. He actually had a child's voice. And the reason being that he reached a point in life didn't want to, didn't want to grow up spiritually. And he, and he just became more and more of a child. She actually had to dress him every morning. He wasn't physically incapacitated. He just became more and more. He regressed back into being a child. And when you spoke to him, he spoke in a child's voice. It was a horrible thing. And, and no doubt quite demonic in a sense. But this is the thing with this man. He didn't want to grow up in the Lord. So the Lord said, then be a child. And that's what he was for many years. And it was a tragic tale. And of course, he's a wonderful saint. And he was obviously a weary fear uh, and a problem because he, would, he, was, he had the truculence of a child. You know, he was just... Folks, if we don't make that decision to walk in what God has called us to be, then we can step into a place of judgment where God says, okay, you don't want it? Then leave us to our own devices. Sometimes the most severe judgment of all is when God leaves us to ourselves. Please do not make that mistake tonight. Uh, God is calling us all to be fathers. Leave it there tonight. There's a lot more to, to look at in this. If you do want that ebook, let me know and I'll send it to you. I'm really thinking about getting it printed. Uh, but the Lord bless you, folks, and I hope that's been of blessing to you.